0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Uh, are you ready for the Word this morning? Amen. If you've got your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 21, you can hold a place there. We're gonna be skipping around to some other places as we customarily do, but that's gonna be our main text of focus here this morning. And uh, we are concluding our uh, end time series. And as we bring this to a close, I just wanna mention that there are, uh, there are individuals who have devoted um, a lifetime of study to the subject of eschatology and end-time events and things of that nature and still have not exhausted their discoveries yet. So understand that in a four-week series, we're just kind of getting a snapshot uh, of some things that are, and you may say, well, what about this thing? What about that thing? I encourage you to get in your word and uh, find some trusted resources and begin to study those things for yourself if you have a greater interest in it. Um, but I do just want to have so enjoyed just sharing with you some principles that uh, we find in the Word and just encouraging your heart. And I, I trust that it's been a bit of a perspective shift for you just to, just to take your eyes off of the temporal, the here and now for just a few minutes and, and look ahead into eternity and what the Lord has prepared for us. And today especially I want to um, I talk about the title of this particular message is Ever After. Um, because I want to share with you today what, what we can expect after time is no more and uh, all of the events that we read about in Scripture have unfolded and how it's going to be uh, as you and I are gathered together in heaven to spend the uh, eternity with the Lord. We've, we've walked through a timeline so far that began with the rapture of the church, the great tribulation period, Uh, the millennial reign of Christ. We've talked about those things, the great white judgment. And, you know, sadly for so many, that's kind of where a study of end-time events kind of concludes or wraps up or that's where the main concentration of their focus is is on the more apocalyptic sort of things, all of the destruction, all of the wrath, uh, all of those those elements that will be. Uh, But today I want to turn your attention to what happens when all the dust settles. When, when all the dust settles, the tribulation, the outpouring of wrath, the martyrdom, all those things have, have uh, gone by, and time is no more, and eternal destinies have been realized, I, I want to help you with what's next. And what's next we learn from Peter as he, we've already heard from him in this series a few weeks ago. Uh, we covered this text from Second Peter chapter 3 uh, that says this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up understand this church i know that we we have a very physical being and all that we know of life except for the foretaste of god's glory that we experience when we come together in his presence and we enter into the courts of the lord spiritually What we know of life and the thing that we are most intimately associated with are the physical aspects of living and the world in which we live. We are are a very tangible people. The things that we can see, taste, touch, feel, those are the things with which we're most acquainted. But can I tell you something? That as sure as you have confidence in the ground that you're standing on today, you should have greater confidence in the heaven that awaits because there is coming a day when the ground that you're standing on is not going to be the ground that you're standing on. It's going to flee from the presence of the Almighty and will be no more, but heaven will be sure and heaven is eternal eternal peter continues and says therefore since all these things will be dissolved what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of god because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise Let me tell you something about my God. My God is in the redeeming business. And you say, yes, pastor, thank you, Lord. I I know that my soul has been redeemed. I have been ransomed from hell, but I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Right now, we are living in a dispensation where we are realizing the redemption of our soul. We are no longer captive Uh, to to sin we are no longer bound by sin we're no longer slaves of sin but we are freed in christ jesus we have talked about the redemption of our bodies our created beings as the trumpet of the lord sounds the dead and christ rise reunited body and soul to spend eternity in a glorified fashion with the lord those who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is we're going to shed these bodies that are subject to the curse of, the, of sin and we're going to receive glorified bodies. That is the redemptive part of God redeeming his creation in us. But can I tell you that even there, he's not finished yet. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, he stepped back from it and looked at his creation and said, It is good. It is good. It is very good. And I think today as God looks down on this creation and he sees it moaning and waiting the day of redemption, maybe right now he's not thinking that it's so good. But he has set a plan in place that one day, even this old world that you and I live in, that seems so broken down and seems so bad and so hard, one day it all of God's creation is going to be in a redeemed state. And Peter says, we, according to the promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We, we read these words from John, Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1, and John says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain because the former things have passed away. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things become new. Can I tell you that by the time God's finished that is going to be the testament of every part of creation that the old things have passed away. Those things that were broken and cursed by sin those have all passed away and behold all things are made new and it's restored to that wonderful state that it was when God created it and spoke and it came into being and he stepped back from it and looked at it and said it is good. There's going to be no more weeds in your flower bed. Hey. No more ache in your hip. No more clover in your Bermuda. It's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But most of all, it will be where he is. Come on, somebody. Now, now let let me just... I want to take you back just a few years. I want to to take you back maybe three, four decades or so. See, in a a Pentecostal church just a few years ago, when we read Revelation 21 and we get down about verse 4, that's when the praise erupts. That's when the glory falls in the house and people begin to weep and people begin to cry and people begin to rejoice. But you know, it, it seems a little hard nowadays to get folks excited much anymore, but, but, but there was a time when, when if you wanted to get believers really excited about something, you'd start talking about heaven. And, and you'd start changing a perspective from the things of this earth to the things that were to be. And you'd begin to talk about the glad reunion when we were, when all the saints of God are gathered home. And, and we would begin to play and we would begin to sing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it's going to be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. And man, we would have church right there. And many in this generation, though, live with such a sense of overwhelm that there's often little receptivity to a conversation about heaven outside the death of a loved one. Almost anymore, the only time anybody wants to hear about heaven is when they've lost a loved one. Why? Because the encouragement matches the trauma. It's, it's what I need in that moment. It's, it's how I see heaven as relevant to my distress. I want you to encourage me, I want you to help me see and shift my perspective for just a few minutes that it's not just that I have suffered loss, but that heaven has experienced gain and that there is an investment and that there is a deposit that one day I have a hope that we will be reunited in the presence of God. Otherwise, I'm so cumbered with this life and I'm so worried about tomorrow and the day after and all of the anxious thoughts that are bombarding me right now that I really can't make the match of how heaven is relevant for me right now. Pastor, I want you to coach me. Pastor, I want you to encourage me. Pastor, I want you to help me understand. I know about heaven and I'll get there someday, but I want you to help me live this life right now. Because if you don't help me live this life right now, I'm about to lose my mind, and I'm not sure that I'm going to make it. So today, what I want to do is I want to... I want to tie all this thing together and let me tell you why it's so important that we understand this because the thought of going to heaven was not has not been introduced to us so that we can just sit around with no earthly purpose waiting for the day that we go home. We're given a perspective of heaven so that we can, not that we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but we're given a glimpse of heaven so that you and I can rejoice in knowing that this world is not our home. That we are just passing through and come what may, though earth hinders and hell rages, all will work for good for me because it's not in this life alone that I have my greatest hope. But my greatest hope is in a trumpet sound. My greatest hope is in a resurrection. My greatest hope is in a city that has a maker, who's, uh, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. when you've got a perspective of where you're going to end up, and I'm bringing this back so that by the end of today, you can rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because when you've got a perspective of where you're going to end up, it'll give you the press in your spirit to overcome the struggle of today as a matter of fact we read this we see this best illustrated by the apostle paul philippians chapter three beginning in verse 12 he says listen not that i have already attained or am perfected but i press on that i may lay hold of that for which christ jesus also laid hold of me brethren i do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead Baby, I know that this world hurts. I know that there's sorrow. I know that there's struggle. But I implore you today, forget about those things that are behind you and press on to the things that are before you. But Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Nearing the end of Paul's life, Paul enter- encouraged his young protege Timothy by writing to him and saying this, Listen, it's been a struggle thus far. It's been, it's been hard. It ain't always been easy. I haven't always known exactly where the next meal's coming from. I haven't known if the situations that I was walking into were going to be favorable or if they were going to be hostile. All that I know is that I've been obedient to the call of God on my life. All that I know is that I've done the best I can do to be faithful, and I have run my race. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. That's a a sacrificial way of life. You understand what Paul's saying here. This life comes with sacrifice associated. And he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. But I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Why? Because I've had my eyes on the prize that finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day and not only me, but also all who have loved his appearing. Listen, you can endure most anything if you have the assurance that better things are ahead. You, you can endure most anything if you have the assurance that better things are ahead. Listen, how many of you have ever worked with a coach or a trainer and you've maybe been at a gym or you've been in an athletic setting and you're trying to get the reps in? All right? What, what, when, you, when you start nearing the end of that exercise or you start getting to the, getting to the backside of that thing, what does, what does the coach, what does the, what does the trainer say? What's that one more one more he doesn't say 25 down 35 down. 45 down, 50 down, this is where you've already been. No, 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 no. What's he say? What's he say? One more, one more, 10 more, nine more, eight more, seven, six, five, because he's counting you off to let you know that if you can just press just a little bit more, you're going to make it to the goal. If you can just endure, if you can persevere for just a little bit more, baby, you almost got it. You're almost there. I'm going to tell you what, if y'all can't get more excited about this word than this, I'm going home. I'm not even kidding. Jesus Christ. Man, listen. I know it's been a strain. You're deep in the reps. I got it. You're feeling the burn. Maybe you're feeling the heat. Maybe you're starting to cramp up a little bit, but I'm here to tell you this morning just a little bit more. Come on, just a little bit more. You got this. You got this. Just a little bit more. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing in. It's all going to be all right, and it's going to be worth it in the end. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. They're going to give you a perspective. That trainer, that coach, is going to give you a perspective of the finish line. He's going to keep reminding you of how far out it is. It's just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And Paul said this. He said, "I, I consider. I'm thinking about this thing now. I'm pondering it. I'm working on my perspective right here. And as I look at the difficulties of life, as I look at all the challenges that have been brought my way, You know what I finally resolve is that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me let me tell you something today, church. Learning about the by and by is not just something to hold on to in the by and by, but it's a little seed of hope for the right now, the here and the now, just to understand that it's just a little while to labor. It's just a little while longer before Jesus is coming, before he gathers us all home, and we're gathered around the throne of God in a place that's illuminated by his glory, where there is no more death, there is no more sorrow, there is no more suffering. There is no more pain. There is no more anxiety. There is no more stress. There is no more depression. There is no more cancer. There is no more cardiovascular disease. We will be made whole. We will stand redeemed in the presence of Jehovah. You know, I was driving down Fire Tower Road Thursday afternoon, and I had a rare occurrence. I looked over in the field, it had just rained, a heavy shower of rain, and I, it, it, had, it had finished and the sun had come back out. And I looked over across the field where I was passing by. It was one of these open lots here. And I saw what appeared to be the end of a rainbow. Very seldom do I ever perceive that I can see like where it touches the ground. I mean, it's always so far. But th- this time I'm, I'm driving by and I'm like, man, that... It's right there. And you know what they say? Fable says that at the end of the rainbow, there's a fortune. Matter of fact, it was so vivid, it was so clear, it was so crisp that I I almost turned my truck in just to ride back there and see. You know, just kind of kick the weeds a little bit and just. But you know what I realized? I realized, I just kept on trucking because I realized that a rainbow is a matter of perspective. It depends on from what angle you're viewing it, what it looks like, and where it appears to be. And from where I was, it appeared to be in the middle of that field, but I realized that once I got in the middle of that field, it would appear to be somewhere else. Hence, the good fortune that awaits at the end of the rainbow would always be elusive. And you're going to think this is so weird, but I'm telling you, in the moment, this, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and ministered to me powerfully, it just as clear as day, and said to me, That's the way most people live their lives. They see this thing and they assume it's their fortune. And when they get there, what they thought was there never is there. It's moved to someplace else. And they never can attain. And they never can get enough. And they never can have enough friendship. They never can have enough recognition. They never can have enough to satisfy. Because they're looking for satisfaction in the wrong place. And I'm telling you that until you begin looking for satisfaction in the right places, life will always be like chasing a rainbow. And you'll never find the pot of gold. And there it is, it's just, it's right there. And I, I believe that there are so many that set their eyes on something that they think is going to satisfy and once they arrive, arrive at the sought after status, attain the position, acquire the things, they realize that the things of this world don't satisfy. There's only emptiness where once hope abounds. And Paul gives this instruction to the church and he says this. Basically, look, don't don't chase after moving targets. I'm not saying that it's not good to have goals in this life. You should. Because goals are the stair steps to God's fulfillment of God's purpose in your life. Some, Some people just wait for the fruition of a purpose just to fall in their laps. No, you get up and you take one step of faith after the other until one day you realize that God's purpose is being fulfilled. But but people will, will chase after these, these moving targets over and over and over and end up in defeat and disappointment and distress. But Paul says, listen, don't, Don't do that. Yes, you need goals in this life. You need to to aspire to things because I don't believe any of us were put here just to sit around and waste away until Jesus comes. But Paul says in that, set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. And I'm telling you today, church, that if your hope is in anything less than in eternity with Jesus, you're chasing rainbows. If your satisfaction, if your happiness is found in and in, in you think it's going to be found in anything other than resting each moment in the crucified and knowing that whatever comes in this life, eternity is sure with Jesus. What you're going to find is you're going to get to that spot of ground And you're going to say, this is where I saw it so vividly. This is where I saw it so clear. But now it appears over there. Man, if I can get that thing, oh, then. Then I'll know. Then I'll have it. Then I will have attained. But Paul says, don't don't set your sights, your affections on things here on this earth. Set them on things above. Why? Why? Because it's sure, it's secure in Christ Jesus, and it's eternal, and it's not moving. Keep a perspective. Keep a perspective on heaven. Keep a perspective on eternity spent in the presence of Jesus. I want to invite you to stand all over this place. And. I just I want to challenge you with this final thought today and that's this that I mentioned earlier that people love to hear about heaven at the passing of a loved one and what what everybody wants all of us to say about their loved one is well they're in a better place and and I've just got to be raw and I've got to be honest with you and I'm not trying to be insensitive and I'm not trying to be hard-hearted but that is not always the case because in as much as the suffering of this present moment doesn't compare to the glory that will be revealed in us in heaven for those who leave this world apart from Jesus Christ whatever suffering they've endured along the way is nothing in comparison to the multiplied intensity that they're gonna face if they slip out of this life without knowing Jesus that's as plain as I know how to put it and John says as he sees that holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, that that glorious heavenly city that he goes on to explain, the streets of gold, the walls of jasper, the gates of pearl, all of it just amazing, the the foundations of precious stone, it's, it's all incredible. But he says this, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will, give of the foundation, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. But he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But listen to me. And this generation that wants you to understand that everything goes, that all roads lead to heaven, And everything's okay that you can thumb your nose at the righteousness of God and keep on going and somehow or another God owes you entry into his holy city. I want you to understand these words today. John says, John quoting the resurrected Jesus here I should say, says in verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, The sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life And I want to challenge you today, church, those of you that are joining online, to say this. Jesus says there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Him. There's no other way. Allah can't provide it for you. Confucius can't help you figure it out. Buddha can't help you. Krishna can't help you. None of those things can help you today. It's only in Christ Jesus. In the book of Acts, the apostles wrote and said, there is a one name given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. It's the name of Jesus. No more solid direction in this life than knowing that your sins are forgiven and knowing that you'll spend an eternity in heaven but it's not on our righteousness but it's on the righteousness of Christ imputed to us as we bow our hearts and we say Father forgive me I am unclean and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people I confess to you Lord that I'm a sinner I'm broken, I'm undone. I need your healing in my life. I need your mercy and your grace to cover me in this moment. I need your blood applied. I stand now in the truth of your word that says that if I confess my sins, that you're faithful and you're just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. To make me ready, to make me fit to stand before a holy God shrouded in the righteousness that you provide and today Jesus I thank you that on my behalf you bled, you died you suffered on a cruel cross to buy my pardon to provide and furnish my righteousness and I receive it freely in my life right now in Jesus name And Lord, not only do I receive forgiveness, do I receive mercy, do I receive your grace, but with that, Lord, I commit that from this day forward, I resolve to follow you, to serve you and to love you all the days of my life until I am with you in eternity. I pray your strength, your blessing, your anointing over my life to be able to honor you every day that I live. In Jesus' name,